It's been 10 months since we released an episode of Women of Armor. I actually cannot believe that. I am your host, Jenny Goncher, and I started this podcast because the Holy Spirit inspired me to interview women of faith and um, their stories of the the broken, beautiful, miraculous of humanity and following Jesus and encountering God and all of the things. Um, and I didn't really expect to ever give my own testimony, but it's been an incredibly challenging 10 months. And today marks the one-year anniversary of my very own deliverance when I was set free of a lot of pain and bondage and spiritual um, bondage, really. I was really at the end of myself on this day one year ago. I thought I was literally on the verge of dying from grief and a broken heart. I had yet to deal with all of the unhealed parts of me, so I just was bleeding all over everyone. And even after my deliverance, that did not entirely stop. I've made a lot of mistakes since then. But on September 14th, 2021 at 11.30 a.m., I hit my knees in my living room because I could no longer even stand up. I had barely been able to get out of bed for two weeks. Um, and I I, I went to, to the mat with the Lord. It's the only way I know how to say this. And I had a divine appointment with Jesus. And I was literally delivered of the things that had been holding up my destiny in the spirit realm for probably 30 years. So this episode is dedicated to every woman in the bondage of shame, grief, her past, her present, her fears, her trauma, her life. I am about to tell this story. And, you know, I honestly wouldn't even believe it myself if I hadn't been there. (laughs) So I'm hoping you can hang on because we do have a witness and she is going to tell her side of the story as well. I hope this sets you free. My God, I hope this sets you free. Welcome to Women of Armor. This is my testimony of God. As I tell this story, I am uh, feeling very vulnerable, but I also know that even though I am far from a perfect woman, and since the experience I'm about to share, I've made a lot of mistakes. But that is the love of God that we're consistently forgiven. I know I have to tell this story because the blood of Jesus and the testimony of our faith encourage each other. And I feel compelled to share what happened to me one year ago today on September 14th, 2021 at 1130 a.m. in my living room. For two weeks, I was experiencing my own undoing from a situation I had created, compounded with everything else in my life I had never dealt with. I went to my very last business meeting of the the week, and I could barely get through it. I had been rebuking the enemy for two weeks in this torment that I was in. I had become completely inconsolable. The spirit of depression had taken me over so deeply that I could barely speak. As I was leaving this meeting and driving home, my body was shaking, my spirit woman literally suffocating inside of everything that I had created. 
I wanted to pull over, but I knew that I couldn't because God kept saying, you have to get home. I got home and I walked in the front door, stumbled in the front door, feeling like my legs were going to get out from underneath me. I wanted to fall apart, but my best friend's daughter who had been staying with me, she's in her early 20s, Callie, was in the kitchen. I didn't want her to see this. I knew whatever was about to happen was going to be intense and major and probably traumatic to watch. But it was me coming apart. God said, fall to your knees. I argued with him. I said, Callie's in the kitchen. I can't. And you don't argue with the Lord when you receive a command like that. He gently but firmly said, I said, fall to your knees. So at the end of my couch, I hit my knees and began to wail, travail, if you will. I began repenting and begging for forgiveness for this situation that had hurt someone I cared about so deeply. And when I thought I was at the end of that, the Lord kept saying more honest and would bring to my remembrance other things that had separated me from him. I remember learning at the um, aftermath of this that the Hebrew of sin simply means separation from God, not condemnation, and that the Hebrew of repentance means to grieve. God loved us so much that he gave us the opportunity to do so so that we wouldn't be separated from the fullness of everything we were meant to live in, and that's what I was experiencing. As I would repent, the pain that would come out of my body was overwhelming. It was literally like I was just throwing up my whole life in one sitting, but I couldn't even move. I remember it being like when I was in childbirth with my daughter and I was supposed to have an epidural, but they didn't take. So the pain became excruciating and I was incredibly ill-prepared for this. I remember looking at the monitor and every time a contraction was about to come, I would grip the rails of the bed and be like, no, this cannot be happening, but it was coming anyway. And I wanted it to, I had to get through it. That's what this repentance was like. It was the most painful and beautiful experience I've ever had. When I got to the end of all of this repentance and the Lord consistently saying more honest, more honest, he finally said, that's enough. I exhaled and I laid my head on the end of the couch. And like he was telling me to kick a bug off my shoe, he said, now rebuke him. I'd not been able to rebuke the enemy for weeks. It was constant torment. Things just kept getting worse. What I now understand is that it's because I had not fully surrendered. I had not repented fully. He had every legal right to be there. I wouldn't give it up. But in this moment, I finally did. And that's when the Lord began to make me a series of promises and told me what I'd been delivered from. He used the voice of my mother, which was so precious because I had not been able to speak to her for a while. And I missed her. And I just wanted to talk to her, but I couldn't. And he consoled me with the depth of this love that overwhelmed my entire spirit, my whole being. 
I asked him, I said, how do I have any credibility to speak your name ever again? And he said, your credibility is in moving forward. When it was all said and done, and I rebuked the enemy, I said, in the name of Jesus, Satan, you must flee. It was like my house became crystalline. Someone had taken a vacuum to it. It was unbelievable. The holiness that I I could feel, the supernatural peace that just took over everything in the room, the whole house. Clouds of gloom completely lifted. And I I looked up and and I started to, to come back into my body and I saw Callie sitting there weeping. I said, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe that you had to see that. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. But she became a witness in that moment. And this is her story. So Jenny and I were just in the car a few days ago, and we were talking about this just miraculous moment that we both shared together um, a few months ago. And I just thought that maybe I would tell my part of the story since Jenny shared hers. Um, I just want to give my point of view from what happened and how crazy it was. The experience was just unbelievable. I'm gonna back my story up about a month before the event actually took place in Jenny's home. So I live in Northern California. I've lived here for about a year and a half now and for about six months leading up to me going and staying at Jenny's house, I was really, really struggling with my mental health, my physical health. I have type 1 diabetes. I've been diagnosed with an eating disorder and um, bipolar 1 disorder. And I was just really, really struggling. I didn't know how to get through it. I was isolating myself and I just felt so alone and like I couldn't possibly make it through another day. I remember sitting in a parking lot at a bookstore calling Jenny, sobbing, telling her that I couldn't do this anymore. I didn't see a way out of it. I saw no light. I only saw darkness and I didn't know what to do. And on that phone call, she talked me through every emotion I was feeling and we prayed together for probably 20 minutes over the phone. And then at the end of the call, she said, you know, I really believe that you should be here with me right now. And I contemplated going back to Missouri and spending some time with her. But in the end, I stopped myself. I decided not to. I didn't want to bring my darkness and all of my negative emotions into her safe place and her home that she's created for her and her children. I felt so guilty about that. I couldn't possibly do that. So instead, I decided it was best uh, to go spend some time in Pennsylvania with my mom. My mom and Jenny are really good friends. That's actually how I met Jenny years ago. Um, I decided to go there and just get some rest and try to get back in touch with Uh, my spirituality with God with prayer and just praying and hoping that that would somehow cure my mental and physical illnesses Um, it was just a few days into my trip to Pennsylvania that I just had a total mental breakdown it felt as if demons were literally stalking me waiting to attack me at any moment felt as if they were hiding in the corners of my home I was never alone they followed me into every room just watching just waiting for the minute to attack me 
these disturbing thoughts and images were just filling my mind and literally haunting my dreams. I was so terrified to even close my eyes most nights. And I remember I actually stayed up, I think, for 72 hours straight just out of fear that I was going to see something so terrifying that I wouldn't be able to recover from. A couple of days later, uh, I remember walking through a parking garage with my mom. We had just gotten out of the car and I felt this sense of doom following us from behind like it was ready to just pounce on us and attack us both. And that's something I don't think I've ever felt in my life. It was terrifying. And two seconds later, my mom's phone starts ringing and she looks at it and it's Jenny FaceTiming us. My mom answers the phone and we see Jenny on her couch all alone, just sobbing. Jenny and I have known each other for so long. She is like a mother to me. We've lived together before. Um, She is my spiritual guide. We have seen each other break down, cry, sob on the floor. The emotions that I saw in her face over that FaceTime call and the depths of those emotions, that's something I've never seen from her, ever. Before she even said a word on the phone when she was just crying, I knew that I needed to be with her. I felt this just overwhelming urge to leave Pennsylvania, leave that parking lot, leave my mom, and just go be with Jenny. I just wanted to sit in her presence. And so two days later, I was on a plane to Missouri, and the week that followed is hard to even explain. The only way to really picture it is if you just imagine that there are clouds, really, really heavy clouds just filling the sky and circling above the house, circling above our heads. It just felt like total gloom. And then September 14th came. Um, We both, I remember, had really restless nights. Jenny had actually left the house really early that morning before I had even gotten up. Something about her being gone made me super anxious. I was scared to not have her in the house. And I still, uh, to this day, can't identify why I felt that way. She got home around 11.30 a.m., and she came stumbling through the door, barely making it past the kitchen. And my immediate thought was, okay, she's either drunk or violently ill. She dropped to the ground onto her knees, and she fell so hard that I swear the entire house shook. I looked over at her, and tears just flowed. And her cry was more like her hyperventilating, like she couldn't catch her breath between every tear. The moment felt so intense that I started to move off of the couch and try to get out of the living room and just leave her in that place. But then I heard God or Jesus or someone tell me that I shouldn't leave that room and I could not leave that room. So instead, and out of fear, I draped a blanket over my head and sat there in silent prayer with her. And after 15 minutes of her wailing on her knees at the end of her couch, she got completely silent. And a moment later, she started whispering, yes, Lord. When she began saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, over and over and over again, I decided to take the blanket off of my face because I knew that I was witnessing a miracle I felt God's presence in that room like I have never felt before, and I just knew that this was a revelation. This was a life-changing moment, and I got to be a part of it, and I got to see it firsthand. 
And then all of a sudden, I was the one weeping. And I looked over at Jenny, and she opened her eyes and looked outside through her window. And I followed her gaze. And those clouds that had been there all week, those heavy storm clouds that were just circling the house were gone. There was nothing but sunshine and warmth just flooding into the living room. Feeling that sunlight on my skin, I was just confirmed in my mind that what I had witnessed was the truth of God. And I don't know exactly what he told Jenny in those moments they shared in prayer while she was on the floor, but I knew instantly that whatever he said was filled with love and forgiveness and truth and promises and so many blessings. Still on her knees, just out of this really intense and intimate prayer, Jenny turned to me and apologized, and she kept just saying over and over again, I'm so sorry. You weren't supposed to be here for that. You weren't supposed to see that. It must have terrified you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I just looked at her, and I started sobbing again. And I said, no, don't apologize to me. And there was a pause and we just looked at each other and I said, Jenny, that's the Jesus I want to know. Afterwards, we were both... With this kind of holiness and the power of the Holy Spirit in the room, so prevalent, so palpable, so thick, Callie began to manifest as well. And something that she had been holding on to was delivered from her in the aftermath. And when I got back, I went outside and I told Jenny what had happened in the bathroom and how sick I felt. Immediately, she laid her hands on me and began to pray over me. And I don't know if she's going to be okay with me saying this, but she prayed over me in tongues. And whatever prayer she said, I can't even remember it. I can't interpret tongues. Whatever she said delivered me from that sickness. I felt 100% better in a matter of seconds. It was like the light was back in the room. I felt so at peace. I, this sense of calmness came over me, rushed over both of us. And we just sat outside in silence and just reflected on the miracle that had happened in that living room. The prayer I prayed with Callie was very specific to Romans eight twenty six which says, in the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness, we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should, but the Spirit himself knows our need at the right time and intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. Literally, the Holy Spirit was praying for Callie and delivering her into the fullness in that moment. Sometimes I sit with the wholeness of feelings that come with being human when the spiritual um, afflictions that had me for so long try to creep back in. The spirit of rejection, the spirit of abandonment, the spirit of fear, the spirit of chaos, the spirit of depression, the spirit of anxiety, delivered, delivered, check, check. Physical ailments as well. But I actually embrace my humanity in a way that I never have before. I honor her. I consider Jesus of Nazareth, an unknown man, a human being, with this following of believers who craved from him to be heard and healed, sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane and praying and asking him 
asking God for the cup to pass him by, and instead taking on every bit of pain and grief and human darkness, sweating his own blood onto the earth. I remember learning that Jesus did not call on the divinity of himself during these moments. He didn't reach up to the heaven from which he'd come and supernaturally escape the grief that there is no word for. He instead became, I believe in that moment, more human than he had ever been and more deeply engaged in humanity than any fullness of emptiness I could ever feel. You know, it took the whole of me to reconcile in a mirror of great shame my part of the destruction of my marriage and divorce and every other relationship built on my eight-year-old little girl fears and my young adult and grown-up traumas and walls. It took the whole of me to forgive my family for their own humanity and take full responsibility for myself. It took the whole of me to forgive myself for every separation from God I'd ever insisted upon, every vain imagination and contemplative prayer of self, of the pistol of sin that I'd used to fillet this life God has gifted me. It took the whole of me to get completely broken, and it took the whole of me to get free. And I want you to know that it can it can take the whole of you too, but it doesn't have to. Freedom is available. And we're going to pray right now, whatever your affliction is, whatever your need for healing or deliverance is, I don't know what it is, but God does. And I invite you to pray with me. Just receive this prayer right now, wherever you are listening, just receive. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you on behalf of every woman listening and every person listening. Father, you know their need. You know their healing matter. You know their deliverance need. You know their sorrow and their pain and their confusion. Father, you know their grief and every loss. You see every tear and you bottle it up. Father, I ask right now, in the name of your son, Jesus, that you would encounter the person listening, that you would encounter this woman that you would encounter her in a whole new way, Lord, where she sees that you are there, that you wrap your arms literally around her and fill her with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that she is brought to a place of understanding of what to do next, Lord. You're not scary and intimidating. You're our Father, and the love runs deeper than anything that we could ever imagine as far as the east is to the west. That's your forgiveness and that is your grace and that is your love. Father, I pray for the prayers of every woman listening, whoever she's praying for, whatever they're battling. Father, I ask for favor over those prayers. You say that your word does not return void to you. And I am asking that these prayers bear fruit. I praise you for the blood of Jesus over each of them. I praise you that the blood of Jesus is protecting them and their households and their families and their jobs and their friendships and their relationships, Lord. I praise you for what you're doing in this hour and I praise you for the opportunity with great humility to even be able to speak the name of Jesus. God, you are so good and you are so great. I praise you, Lord, for the miracles that are about to break out, the deliverance and healing that's coming. In the name of Jesus, 
In the name of Jesus, let it be, Father. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode, this unconventional episode of Women of Armor, the podcast. If you need prayer, you are absolutely welcome to uh, send us an email through womenofarmor.com. You can submit your prayer request there and you can um, include your contact information or, or you can submit it anonymously, however you choose. And we have a team of intercessors at the ready to pray for you. Um, and we're glad to do it. It is, it's our, it's our privilege to, to pray for you. So please submit those. Um, you can also find out more about other podcasts there, and we will be doing many, many more coming up with incredible guests and stories of faith. Thank you for listening. This has been Women of Armor. We are walking in Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God, always ready to bring the good news.